You're listening to the Paranormal Patio Podcast. Pull up a chair. Welcome back to Paranormal Patio. I am Jason. As always, you knew it. You knew it before you clicked it. You knew what you were getting, but you didn't know that it is currently midnight in Kentucky. Benjamin Silas Foster of Midnight in Kentucky, right here for the first episode of season four, and it feels really, really good to be back in this chair and talking to people again. It's just terrific, and I couldn't think of a better person. Why not bring Ben on? We met Ben at uh, Dandyland at the Goblin Market uh, a few weeks ago. Why not? Let's do it. Ben, welcome to the Paranormal Patio. Jason, man, thank you so much. That that uh, that I got shivers when you said it's midnight in Kentucky. That was that was nice. Thank you for that introduction. You know, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. How are things in Kentucky right now? Things are weird, man. Things are perpetually weird around here. You know, we have a, a sub show called Air Weird Kentucky Home, and uh, it's a weird place. It it stays weird. It's we're moving into the into the uh, darker half of the year. You know, into the Halloween season, the veil is thinning, so the weird things are coming out even more. But yeah, man, it's the bluegrass. It's weird. We're here. We're doing it. I love it because I know that it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I heard you say on on your show. I think it was with uh, with Ashley Ashley Hilt. You said. Uh, because this show is always about Kentucky, it seems like. So I know that you dabble in a lot of uh, a lot of high strangeness here in Kentucky as well. So I was excited to talk with you about all that. Oh yeah, man, and we will because not only are you here in the paranormal patio, but I'm going to check my watch here in a little bit. But I think it's going to be time for midnight in Kentucky with me. Yes, dude. And I, I have so much, so much I want to talk to you about. You know, we were talking before the show about that weird gauge. And there was no gauge with you. Like, as soon as I met you, I was like, I get as weird as I want to with this dude. <laughs> Not only is it allowed, I encourage it. You it know is what highly I mean? encouraged. Highly, highly encouraged. Highly. <laughs> it couldn't come with any higher level of encouragement. <laughs> the weirder, the better. Blow the top off the gauge is what I say. Yeah. No, for real. Because, like, yeah, like you said, we were talking before the show and we were kind of commiserating on sometimes it's very difficult to have conversations with people who want to talk about weird stuff because you're not sure how far you can really push the envelope. And people like us are so far deep into the weeds, man, that it's hard for us to have surface level conversations about weird stuff sometimes. And sometimes it's like, I don't even really want to have this. I would rather just not talk about weird stuff than yeah. talk about it at a, a level where I feel like I have to censor myself so I don't like make your head explode. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. And you know, I think a, a large part of that, just thinking about it, is the subconscious, like, we all want to put things, and I don't, I don't know that people even know that they're doing this, but like, we all subconsciously want this nice little box built around things. Everything. You know what I mean? But the weirder stuff, more, even more so. Like, people want a nice little box around it so they can say, oh, well, this must be what this is, or or it's this, or this is a, a spirit of a dead person, or an alien, you know, craft, or whatever. And that's still the box. You know what I mean? You're still putting it in a little box where you can be like, this is what it is. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I'm not, like, I, 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 I for, for sure, 
have been that person that put those things in those boxes. But then the older I get, the more I'm like, let's split this box open. I don't think this needs in this box. (laughs) (laughs) Weirdness is everywhere. It's spilling out. (laughs) It's a great analogy, too, because when you finally do rip that box open, it is like a little present. You know, it's a gift. And yes, especially if, if you're doing that with someone who's never had their box ripped open before. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Perfect. You know, but again, it does go back to like gauging people and, and it's not just the people. Sometimes it's the environment you're in too. Like, do I really want to talk about Bigfoot being a fairy in this Midwestern mm-hmm. Walmart? on aisle three you know what i mean like is this coffee talk (laughs) yes yes. i mean for me personally it is absolutely coffee talk 100 percent. but yeah man i i absolutely know what you're saying because you know there have been people that have caught me out in public because you know we have midnight in kentucky stickers on the back of the vehicles and stuff and they've been like, oh, you're the dude from Midnight Kentucky, or you investigate this stuff or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. And like I said, you know, when we were talking off air, it's kind of a toss up because and, and you feel just as weird because you're like, well, shit, do I want to take it this far? Because some of those people are like, yeah, so Bigfoot is a fairy, um, you know, and, and they get super weird in the middle of Walmart, which is awesome. But then you're like. Oh, am I, am, uh, you know, here's my card. I'd love to talk to you about this. Maybe not in the middle of the Walmart right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, so, so, yeah. It goes both ways for sure. Yeah, a little role reversal there. <laughs> yep, yep. Absolutely, dude. And, and you never know. I mean, you just, like, you really don't, which I think is what is part of the allure of talking to witnesses and talking to people because as i always say i'm very grateful for everybody i speak with and and for every experience i hear but you know the the person you think is going to give you the standard and and, you know we use the word standard but the standard uh, ghost story or something you know the whatever they're the person that gives you the yeah there's a sasquatch looking in my window there's white orbs that fly around my house at night there's you know and and just some mind-blowing wildness and then the person you're like, well, this person, they're going to have a story. It's like, yeah, sometimes some stuff falls off my shelf, you know, or something <laughs> like that. So it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell people. Do you ever hear stories like that and, and you're waiting for the other shoe to fall, right? And they're going to just ruin your reality for a second, but they never yep. do. You wonder about those people and how much of the experiences that they've had that they've written off because even though they're willing to say some of these other things, they're afraid that's the thing that's going to make them crazy. Yes. Yeah. Abs. Uh, 100%. And I mean, honestly, I can say that because I myself have done that with a few of my experiences. You know what I mean? I mean, there are parts, there are definitely experiences I will talk about. And, and like I, like I said, you know, the older I get, the more into this field, I, the more into the weeds I fall <laughs> or am, or am pulled down, uh, the more I'm willing to be like, look, man, some weird stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with all of it. But as I have kind of like, you know, turned the volume up, so to say, or whatever, or I've gotten deeper, you know, there's been plenty of times that I've been like, well, I can tell this story, but I should probably leave this part of it out just because what is this person going to think? What is, you know, is it going to discredit me in some way? I totally feel that that whole, uh, maybe I shouldn't, Maybe I shouldn't say this part. Is this going to make me sound crazy? You know, when the reality is, 
and I don't mean this in any type of derogatory way, all of this is crazy. I mean, everything we're dealing with is some beyond our understanding stuff. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, it goes back to the boxes. I can't put it in boxes anymore. The boxes are, are flattened onto the ground for me now. I, I just can't, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that they hate using the terms like aliens or Bigfoot because those terms have become so saturated with just the mundane things, the, you know, the, oh, well, it must be extraterrestrials. They must be from this planet or whatever. Or it must be some type of lost ape, you know, lost ape species, which I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that from what I have seen, uh, that doesn't seem to be the extent of those answers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, a long, long answer to your question. But, yeah, to answer your question, I totally understand why somebody would not want to tell the weirder stuff of their stories. Because, dude, it gets to the point, you know, where you start. All of this has kind of snowballed to me where it's it's led to that great question. You know, really the only question of what is real and what is not like, what is reality itself? You know, so yeah, that's a hard that's a hard question to struggle with. I mean, it's driven a lot of people out of their minds to struggle with that question. So, yeah, absolutely. You're 100 percent right, because I do the same thing, you know, and every once in a while, the even bigger question will arise. And I move from talking and thinking about what is reality into why is reality. And that becomes this existential like breakdown where you become so insignificant in yourself mm-hmm. that now you, you can't even go back to what is reality. You can't even just turn the knob back down. You just have to turn the whole radio off for a little while. You know, that does happen. That happens to me a lot, especially lately. We just finished up Hair Raising Horror Week, talked to some great people, and had some amazing conversations. And there were more than a few times where, while editing, I was like, I can't believe this happened. Like, I had kind of toned out to it. And because of the new format of of the event this year, it was like, there was less conversation. It was more, here's some questions, give me some answers, I'll put them all together, we'll make it work. It's different, which I loved. It it was, it's cool to listen to. It kind of sucks to edit. It's really cool to listen to. Uh, it was really hard too to not have conversations because I'm so used to doing this where we just sit and have a back and forth. And I don't like to format my show. I don't like to script my show. Like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. And I'm cool with that because this is the paranormal patio. We're hanging out. It's just two people in the patio talking. And even though it's cold outside and this isn't a real patio anymore, it was when I first started. I recorded in my patio. It was brilliant, you know. Which, Uh, man, I got to say, that is just amazing. I love the whole concept of the paranormal patio. Like, all throughout, like... The way you incorporate it into your intros and everything, I just, I dig it. I dig it a lot. But go ahead. (laughs) Well, thank you. I don't even know where I was going with that. Anyway, like I had kind of toned myself out and I don't know, it was kind of, it was nice because it was another one of those little gifts I got, you know, and I'm editing. I'm like, holy cow, how did I miss this? This is huge. And there was actually even a clip that I wanted to put and and I did end up deciding to do it at the beginning of the UFO episode. It's a very extended audio clip before I even do like the opening credits. Like I think it's something like six or eight minutes before you even know that you're listening to this podcast. It's just Nathan and I talking and I, I was concerned about it. I was like, can I even pull this off? Like, is this too much to bombard like casual to intermediate level weirdos, which is kind of my target demo. Sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
Is this too big of a thing time-wise? Is this too much? And also, is this conversation too much? Like, (laughs) do we need to ease into it? Do we need to pull out the lubricant first? Or are we just going (laughs) to take it? And so, I asked a few people. I sent them them this like 15-minute clip, which was the beginning the opening credits and the rest of the clip, the way I broke it up. First off, like everybody was super positive. Like this is, this is great audio. Like I really like the subject matter and it's like, well, that's cool. Thank you. Is it too much? (laughs) No, no, it's great. It's great. So like, you know, I just went with it and I'm glad I did. I think it's really cool. Sometimes man, you, you get outside your head, I guess is where I was going with this and you have to stop and and breathe for a little bit. (laughs) Well, man, it's, it's kind of interesting that you bring up this whole conversation because there was something that I wanted to ask you. And I don't know, this may be a little meta for for both of us, but you're a podcaster very much in the similar vein that I am, right? Sure. Um, you deal with a lot of the, I mean, just like I said before we started, you know, your list of people that you have interviewed is the very people that I wanted to talk to. I mean, like straight up. So like, I feel like honestly, like you're closer to me, uh, ideal wise than, than almost any other podcast I've listened to. Like, oh, that's cool. And it, I really do, man. And like, you know, like we were talking about the gauges, the weirdness, like I feel like you're at the same <laughs> weirdness level, <laughs> you know, we can be very open about our weirdness. Oh, yeah. Um, so like as a, as a host of the type of show that you do, do you ever consider, like, do you consider your audience when you, when you make your show? Like, are, are you, when you make your show, do you think, and obviously you do, cause you know, you kind of talked about that, but like, there's a lot of times just like, you know, you were talking about that I, I'm working on Midnight Kentucky and I'm like, is this what my audience is wanting? Am I being too weird? Am I trying to, uh, am I trying to go too full hardcore weirdness too fast? You know, do you think about those things? Like when you're, when you're doing paranormal patio? Yeah. It's situational though. Like it's not constantly at the lead. Yeah. Especially when I'm recording, I do not care. I will go yes. wherever. When I'm editing, there's been a few times where I'm like, man, first off, it's usually, there was a lot of F-bombs when I talked to Nathan. Um, <laughs> can I put that in? There's not a hard, fast rule for the show with swearing. Sure. You know what I mean? Sometimes I let it go. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I edit out words. Sometimes well, I, I beep them. I noticed that too when I was listening to the show. I was like, because I like to gauge, you know, kind of where I'm at with all that too. Because I come from a music background and as you I know... Am. In music, people's F, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it happens all the time. So, yeah, I kind of listen for that, too. And I noticed that as well. Like, there's you do it in a very uh, you do it in a great way, honestly. Like, I, oh, I totally you. respect the way that you do it because you do allow, you know, I listened to the Nate episode. I actually that was the first episode of yours I ever listened to uh, just because I knew Nate and, you know, mm-hmm. I knew Penny Royal and stuff. I was kind of surprised that uh, he didn't drop more. So now that I know that you edited, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Also. <laughs> One of the first times I talked to Nathan, this is a, this is an inside scoop. Only a few people know about it. Oh, heck yeah. He was telling some story and he, it was along the lines of someone questioning whether or not he was telling the truth. Like, I think he was telling somebody just about the overall Penny Royal mystery, right? And he's he said something in the way of, this is how I fucking talk when I'm telling the truth. If I'm saying <laughs> fuck every two seconds, it's because I'm being honest and I'm being genuine. I love it. So... This last time, whenever I had him on the show, <laughs> when I edited it, because it was a live stream for the Patreon, sure. and I edited it down to, you know, a, a regular podcast episode. And right. I thought it would be really funny and a little bit of an inside joke if I made it so he never said fuck. And 
and people don't know if he's telling the truth because he's not uh, saying it, but he is saying it at the same time. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so even though no one understood that, because no one at the time knew that story, people have asked yeah. me about it since then. And I told them why I did it. And, you know, it always gets a good laugh, but that was for me. Yeah. Not so much for the audience, but if you're listening to it, you would think it's for the audience, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then there were a couple of times where it was like, it's a little bit too excessive and, I, you know, I'm going to do something. But again, there's no hard, fast rule. And I think season four might just be all bets are off, man. Like I'm doing it. <laughs> I might just let it all go. You know, maybe let not Nathan, yeah. but, you know, a, a normal person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a normal person. Yeah, for sure. Comparatively. Yeah. But it, no, I, I, I just wondered about that because, like I said, you and I are very similar in, a, in, in the vein of like, I feel like, you know, you ask a lot of similar questions that I ask. Um, I feel like you think in a lot of the same ways that I think. Uh, so, you know, I try really hard, you know, because I kind of feel like with Midnight Kentucky, our whole thing is I want to I want to take the casual to intermediate weirdo and I want to push them a little bit. I think that's what we're going to do this year. Yeah. I think it's absolutely. time for a good push. I think it's I think it's time for a good push and sometimes you got to push them pretty hard. Like sometimes yeah. I want to be like, "All right, all right, we're talking about Roswell. We're talking about Roswell. How about some, you know, Mothman synchronicities that oh, yeah. uh, you know, John Keel shit. <laughs> How about that? Let's talk yeah. about, you know, so I have censored things in the past just for reasons you know, different reasons sure. sometimes and i will not ever divulge who or what there are things where i'm like i can't put this out yeah. you know what i mean like this is impossible because you do have to whether or not you care about your level of social acceptance there comes a point where you realize i have donated x amount of hours to this quote unquote job it could all be destroyed and thrown away if I allow this person to say something that will trigger, for example, a QAnon thing, and then I have all this backlash. So that has to go. Now, that's just yeah. a random example because it's really easy to poke at. So <laughs> there are things that I will steer away from, especially if I know this person has like said things on other interviews or something where I, I will just sure. not even approach the topic. Yeah. Um, sometimes it still comes up and it just doesn't make it through the cutting room floor and no one's ever the wiser. And I don't know if they, the people that I interview, if they listen to the show or not. So they may never even know, you know, and, th and they'll go on with their lives thinking that they said what they needed to say and yes. everybody's happy. Uh, you know, I've let some strange things go so far with Hair Raising Horror Week this year, and I think we'll have less limits on the weird for season four. And if you disagree with that, hit me up and let me know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Flash forward two weeks into the comment section <laughs> and paranormal patio is on fire <laughs> yeah on fire with no. popularity or on fire because someone has set us ablaze we may never know uh, one or the other no man i i totally agree with you i think and and as i get further into it you know i i get more into the push i get i, tr I trust my audience a little bit more in a lot of ways, podcasting is an art. I mean, this is all an art. It's it's very much like music to me. You know what I mean? It's like when I'm making a podcast, it's very similar to making a song. I want it to progress in a certain way. I want it to deliver what I want to deliver out of it. And, you know, the best music to me is always the music that you don't really understand at first. And then after you listen to it a few times, you're like, oh, okay, starting to get it. So, yeah. like, I like to do that with my audience. I like to give them something really weird a lot of times that they're like, oh, Oh, a little too much, a little too much. But then the more they think about it, the more they're like, oh, 
that was actually some really deep stuff that, you know, and, and this is not me saying it, yeah. you know, this is all stuff that I stumble upon. Cause that's all, that's all I'm doing is just stumbling around out here looking for the weirdest thing and seeing what's behind it. So, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of stumbling around and looking for the weird things, how long have you been doing this man? Like being this level of weird. Ooh, ooh. Well, I've probably been, I've, I've probably been, I was always weird. Like I've always been a weird, a weird kid. You know what I mean? I think I, I think I got pretty much the same. I don't really have the, uh, the awesome close encounter story that, that really got me into things. But I was very much the kid who loved the X-Files every Sunday night. I was watching the X-Files and you know, this is at like six, seven, eight, nine, you know, 10 years old. I was about it. And not only that, but, uh, one of my, one of my first ufology is really what got me into all of this in the first place. I'm a, it was UFOs and aliens. That was, that was my entrance to this. And after the X-Files, you know, there was Fire in the Sky, the, uh, Travis Walton film from the late eighties. Dude, I was enthralled with that movie, you know, and then of course the pop culture thing took over. It was Star Wars, which I feel like, you know, so many of us, our uh, introduction into the paranormal and into the weird is pop culture. I mean, pop culture is a, is a huge part of all this. Then there was magic. When I when I got to be uh, 12 or 13, I got really into Wicca and into that type of magic, which, you know, I, I don't really identify with anymore, particularly Wicca. It's all, I'm all about it. I mean, like, if that's your thing, hell yeah. I, I totally support it, and I know that there's energy there. But then I got older, kind of put it away for a little while. You know, there were always the synchronicities. There was always the call of the unknown that would be there. And I would be like, eh, that's weird. You know what I mean? It wasn't really until 2017, late 2017, I believe, when New York Times comes out with the big expose on UAPs, military disclosure, all of that. But I was like, holy shit, this is the moment. This is what, you know, we were waiting for as nine and ten year olds for the government to be like it's all real everything's real and that really drug me back into it and you know i had had in a weird way i had had training in a lot of other things by that point i had done music for a long time which is a training all of its own you know you deal with a lot of weird stuff in that in that uh, community too uh, I'd done music for a long time. I had worked at Oakwood in Somerset, which is a, a, a you know, a, a mental rehab facility, kind of. I did not uh, know which that. Is, yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that. Mentioned, absolutely, dude. It's which, of course, is actually mentioned in Penny Royal several times, Oakwood. And, you know, I had I had just seen a lot by the time we had come back around, or by the time I had come back, or I feel like I had seen a lot of, of just different things, just little parts of, of all these worlds that uh, when I finally come back to the paranormal and the unknown and the unexplained, you know, one of my first things that that really drew me back in, of course, was the New York Times and, and, and all of that. But there's and there's an amazing documentary called Mirage Men. Mirage Men, man, that documentary changed a lot for me and it changed the way that I saw so much of, of all of this. Because I know that there are a lot of investigators that are very concerned with objective truth, like the hard truth. I'm not sure we ever get to that. I'm not sure we as humans will ever begin to understand what the objective truth of any of this is. And, you know, that's that's made even harder to understand by what I believe are these, you know, I don't even want to say government entities, some type of authoritative entity that are either working with these things or working to cover up these things. I'm not even sure about that any longer. There, 
the more I dig in, the more questions I have. I have, I have not gotten any answers thus far. All of that led me, Mirage Men, you know, I know that you are a, I don't want to say a fan, but I know that you are uh, familiar uh, and at, at least more familiar than the average person with the works of Grant Morrison. And oh, sure. Yeah. So, you know, then I got to the Invisibles. Then I start getting into ceremonial magic and ritual magic and Damien Eccles and, um, you know, a lot of the Thelema stuff. And, you know, something about that, that, that was a major part of the renaissance to me of, of all this weirdness is, is Lamb with Aleister Crowley, you know, which they mention in Penny Royal and in Hellier and how this entity that, that Crowley met was basically a gray alien. And, you know, I could talk about that for days, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, could, I could just go on and on about all that, but it blew my mind and it continues to blow my mind. You know, just how much of all of this is so much stranger than people are, are even willing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of my favorite pop culture examples of this is the great X-Files episode, uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space, which is just this episode about this alien abduction story that just keeps perpetually going off the rails. You know, these kids are abducted by greys and then this other UFO comes in and it's this other type of alien and they all get abducted by it. It turns out that these greys are just like this military sob thing. And dude, it gets so convoluted. The episode gets convoluted as as heck. There's a lot of comedy to it. They balance it out with humor very well. But that is the closest thing. That and Twin Peaks are probably the closest things pop culturally that I have ever seen that represent the supreme weirdness that is all this, <laughs> you know, just yeah. the undescribable strangeness. So again, I'm sorry, I, I have really long answers for this stuff, but it's it's just been a it's it's been a perpetual course, you know. One thing has led me back. It's been it's been stumbling around in the dark until I find these little pieces that I'm like, oh, this connects. How does this connect to this puzzle? So. It's it's just been a it's been a journey that I'm still on that I hope gets even weirder and stranger the further I go. Yeah, I feel that really hard. So before we get into y- your experiences at Oakwood, which I am mind blown over already without even hearing them, <laughs> um, my favorite X Files episode, and I'll probably get a little heat from this. It was one from when they came back and did like the mini season. Um, oh, there were some good ones. Some really good. The one with the like were lizard. Yes, dude. And yes. the whole time you're thinking that it's this man who's turned into a lizard and killing people, but really it's this lizard who's turned into a man and he just wants to be left alone. He doesn't understand why he's been <laughs> turned into this monster. Oh my god, I love that so much. I don't know that why, is- but I did. No, honestly, that's one of my favorite episodes as well. That's such a well-crafted episode. A uh, little X Files nerd nerddom here that's written by I think Darian Morgan, which is the same dude. I think he wrote Jose Chung's from Outer Space. He wrote uh, so many of the classic, just excellent X Files episodes. And speaking of Mirage Men, I don't know if you know this. Here's another little nerd X Files trivia. Oh, here we go. Rick, Rick Doty from Mirage Men has always said that he was a secret uh, a secret consultant for that show, and that he put in certain aspects that were true into the X-Files to, uh, you know, the whole, we're going to put a little dash of truth in here. So it, you know, the whole cover up thing. I always thought that was interesting that he claimed he worked on that. How do you feel about Richard Doty? You want to hear Ben's reply to this question, head over to patreon.com slash beyond the patio and look for the bonus content for this episode. Well, let me, let me be so bold as to ask you a question. 
question. <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? Come take this over is, the patio. Yeah, this is the patio takeover you were waiting on. Oh, <laughs> hear that, Tobias Wayland? You just got called out. <laughs> I love you, Tobias. I love you, man. No, I really do. He's a great dude, too. Absolutely. Um, but, okay, so let's talk about the trickster, because I often think that way as well, right? Are these people... Uh, like Rick Doty, Gray Barker, you know, the dude in Florida, I can't remember his name, the Gulf Breeze sightings, you know, you know, the ones I'm talking about, the huge Gulf Breeze sightings in Florida. What's his uh, name? The, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, good. I can't remember his name either. But those guys, right? Is that a, is that the archetype of the trickster representing itself in the phenomena again and again and again? Uh, you know, even to take it a step further, crop circles, man. I mean, there are plenty of crop circles that are man-made, proven man-made, not even disputed to be man-made. There are so many cases of people literally, just like we were saying, waking up in the middle of the night and being moved to go out and make one of these designs. Sure. What is what is that? That totally blurs the lines of real phenomena, hoax. Those are the most interesting cases to me because that's almost like you're standing right there on the line of so many different worlds. You know what I mean? Let me be so bold as to ask you a question on my podcast. <laughs> Let me sidestep your question. All right. My my reply is a question. What if the trickster element is necessary to put us in the state of mind required to begin to have some sort of semblance of understanding of what we are encountering? What if it's the mindset that's important? And that's why... I see something that you don't because my mindset is in a particular recipe that day and I get to experience it because someone gave me a book of matches that had a four-leaf clover on the back of it or something. You know what I mean? So, I'm in this weird elevated mindset that I may or may not even be aware of, but because I am, I get to experience this thing. That's a trickster. No, I 100% dig that a lot something that i've noticed comes up on your show a lot um and that and that we deal with a lot too kind of going into the oakwood thing in a way is the is state of mind and and honestly that's probably the most fascinating aspect of the paranormal and supernatural to me is like how you know there are studies and and we shared this post on the on the mik facebook a while back that kind of show that or do show for all intents and purposes that alien abductions, psychedelic trips, and near-death experiences are pretty much the same thing, or or resonate the same way in the brain. You know, so that's a state of mind thing, right? Like Correct. That's a, yeah, and then you take ritual magic. I mean, with any type of ritual, you are putting yourself in a in a altered state. You are altering the state of your mind. Then we then we go to trauma, which which you talked about a lot on your show. Uh, trauma greatly affects these things. Greatly affects these things, and that is an altered state. Your mind has been altered. So yeah, dude, I dig I dig that a lot. Would you say that? And and this is kind of coming to me as I talk, but you could almost argue that the trickster has to be involved in some way to alter your state of mind. Because you're almost tricking yourself into achieving that level. I wouldn't say it's absolutely required, but I think more times than not, its presence is all up for it. Yeah. I think there are a lot of factors 
And I've talked about this on the show too. I think body chemistry, mental health, geographic location, geology of that geographic location, potentially even astrological requirements for, you know, placements and, and all kinds of things, which is not outside the realm of possibility. All of these things and more, many more that we may never even consider as being potential elements to this all come together to present to you the thing. And the thing represents what you're capable of withstanding and getting something out of, which is why it changes between a Bigfoot or a ball of light or a UFO or a ghost or a goblin or whatever it is, because it's always the thing. It's only how it shows itself according to the recipe that has been built or whether or not the oven's even on. That's how I look at it. And the trickster is also one of those elements for sure. Something else you talk about a lot on the show is window areas. Yeah. And that kind of is that geographic location thing that you were talking about. Um, you know, I live and have worked and visit Somerset on a daily basis, pretty much. And with those window areas, you know, without getting too woo woo or whatever, you, like when you drive into Somerset and especially certain parts of Somerset, you can feel it like you can feel the energy shift, or at least I can. And I've talked to other people who say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you definitely feel it. You know, there's a place in Stanford, Kentucky, which is the site of one of the most famous alien abductions ever, which is the Stanford three abductions back in 76. And you can drive that road where they were abducted and your stomach flips, my stomach flips. And dude, that's the same feeling you get out. You get when you when you hit Strawberry Road. In Somerset, you know, that they talk about on Hellier and they talk about on Pinero. It's the same flip of the stomach. It's the same, just something is up here. <laughs> something is not quite right. Something is off. A yeah. Bit, so. All right. I have to know. What's it like in Oakwood, man? Man, I'm going to disappoint you so bad. I know. <laughs> I know because it's already been built up in my head so much. Unless you told me that literal gray aliens were climbing out of the grass yeah, and running like, around. I don't yeah. even know if that would do it. Like anything <laughs> below that is just substandard and not worth my time, frankly. But I'm going to entertain the thought that you might have something interesting. Sure. No, no, I'm joking. Sure. I'm joking because I'm just curious. Like, what is it like in there? Well, okay. So let me start by saying this. You know, I have through various different ways visited a lot of mental health facilities. And I and I will say that Oakwood. When I worked there, which I worked there from 2009 to, I think, 2013, 14, I worked there for a little bit, quite a while. I really liked the job. I really liked the people I work with. I really liked the work. It is, without a doubt, the, I think, one of the best run facilities in the state for mental health. Like, it's, it's just, it, it's really good. I mean, the people there, that being said, you know, of course, the mental health system in America is absolutely dismal. garbage. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it is. But there's a lot of really good people that work there. There's a lot of really good people that want the best for their clients and want to work with their clients to provide the best for them. So that being said, though, <laughs> there is a lot, dude. There is a lot of people that you will talk to. And, you know, this is just belief in general. I think maybe some of this is just ignorance to how mental health works in a way. Uh, you know, and we all have that. Mental health is still something that we're still trying to figure out, you know, just as a species. But there is a large and pervasive idea that demons, demons are at work at Oakwood and that demons will regularly, you know, possess certain people or will 
act in certain ways, will do certain things. Um, of course, you know, with Penny Royal, they talk about the savants at Oakwood back in the 70s. And that's an interesting part of the whole Oakwood thing as well, because the 70s and that time period is spoke about in a way that's almost like legendary. You know what I mean? It's almost like a myth in a certain way. Which, again, at that time, mental health in America was far more dismal than it is now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. was awful. It was like there were there were constantly people having to work over. It was like if you work there, you never left in those in those days. And, you know, there there is a vibe. There's definitely that vibe at Oakwood. It is a beaut like the campus of Oakwood is beautiful. I've worked there uh, overnight a lot. You know, just so at three in the morning, I would find myself sitting there reading Stephen King in the smoke shack, you know, and look up from the book and it just be this beautiful full moon, you know, grassy knolls, just amazing. But see, that's something about the paranormal, right? You know, to quote Twin Peaks, this weird and wonderful place. I mean, it's it's both dark and light. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the amazing miracles without the intense darkness of, of these things. So while, you know, you may sit there at three o'clock in the morning and this amazing full blue moon of Kentucky be shining down on the facility and it looking amazing and you get this real, you know, just like ethereal vibe from the thing, you may walk into chaos and violence. And I mean, a part of that, is absolutely mental health, sadly. And, yeah. you know, my heart goes out to anybody who has ever had to deal with those things. Another part of that, though, is the person in charge, one of the people in charge, may walk up to you and be like, oh, well, it's a full moon. This is happening. You know, this happens on full moons, which is a common thing with police departments, fire departments. You hear that a lot, right? Hospitals. But hospitals, yeah. But, dude, why is that a common thing? Like, why does the full moon seem to affect people? What is that? Because, I mean, that harkens right back to vampires, to werewolves, to, you know, and that's very prevalent at that facility. And I don't want to say that's this is what's happening. I don't want to say, you know, it's happening for sure. But the but the culture is there. I mean, and it's been there for a long time. So, you know, obviously some weird things have happened or (laughs) some people have gotten weird vibes at some point and this has continued on. Uh, and I can say with pretty much absolute certainty that there are underground tunnels under Oakwood. That's a real thing. So Absolute certainty. Let's say 95%. I've seen the grates. I've seen where they open, where, you know, you can go into the tunnels. Uh, and maintenance. Maintenance talks about using these tunnels all the time, or used to talk about using these tunnels all the time. So pretty sure there's tunnels under there. That part, that part I can almost confirm. Interesting. No, that's really wild. I had no idea. And you're the first person I've talked to who's, well, I mean, besides Dan, but I've never talked to Dan about Oakwood. I don't feel like I need to. You know what I mean? Like, I got that from Penny Royal. Sure. You know, that's that's really wild. This is the first time that something like this has happened. You know what I mean? I, I had Kevin and Jessica from Beyond Sight on the show because I saw their Mushroom Mind video that they put on YouTube. And I didn't yeah. know that they were in the neighborhood and that they knew the, these people. I had no idea. And we sat down and started the interview and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we just left Nathan's house or we just left Dandelion and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> what? You know? So, yeah, dude, it, it is wild. It's very wild. Kevin and Jessica are both awesome. Both Again, both both great people. 
I, straight up though, I thought you lived in Somerset until <laughs> uh, until I started listening to the show, and I was like, oh okay. And, well, I think I think you sent me the trailer for the documentary, and I was like, okay, he he lives northern of here somewhere. Oh yeah, it's so. a five and a half hour drive. Uh, you know, depending on how fast I drive, but I like the drive. <laughs> you know, sure, so I don't sure. I don't hurry it along. You know. I enjoy it. No, it is in. a nice I've only had one bad experience in Somerset, and that was the first Goblin Market, where the night before, I had three beers at Jarfly. Three beers. Not a big deal. I was good. And Jarfly beers are stout, though. You know, I, I leave. I'm good. Obviously, I, I, I'm totally sober enough to drive myself back to the hotel. No problem. You know, I wouldn't have drove otherwise. I even ate. Uh, while I was drinking the three beers, I was there for like two hours, had three beers, had food and water, you know, I'm being responsible because I, you know, I've got kids, you know, I've got family, like I'm not going to drunk drive myself into somebody else's kids and, or parents or whatever, you know? And so get back to the hotel, go to bed. Still good. Still good. I get a call from the hotel desk at two in the morning, wanting to know if my bathtub was overflowing. Of course it wasn't. Somebody's was apparently because it was raining on the next floor down. I was good then. I woke up less than 10 minutes before my alarm clock went off and I was good. I looked at my phone like, all right, I got 10 more minutes, you know, lay back down. 10 minutes later, I wake up like a knife has been driven through my skull. I had the worst headache I've possibly ever had. It took me 20 minutes to put my socks on to go downstairs to get some food and I come, come back upstairs immediately throw all of that up you know it's fruity pebbles were not a good choice that day <laughs> so i threw up again lay down on the bed maybe an hour throw up for a third time finally i'm like i've got to go there are people that i want to talk to and see i've got to sure. go to this yeah. thing you know and so i drag myself there and i know i looked like death i felt like death and it wasn't until like almost one o'clock in the afternoon that i was anywhere near in a good state and yeah. it was so weird man it was i've had two there before and been fine but the thing that is really weird is that i wasn't even drunk i wasn't even buzzed it was i was good i was good 10 minutes ago i was totally fine and now all of a sudden boom what happened matthew bird says it's the somerset water and i'm like yeah, you know maybe it is who knows um but i know that two is my limit now and uh and no know. somerset water and well i mean you gotta have something of it you know what i mean when you're there uh <laughs> it's in everything it's it's so interesting you say this though man and and honestly this hits on a lot of things that have happened with me this is an insider scoop as well uh, oh snap I, I think I have talked about it on the show before. And, and I mean, we've, we've mentioned it a few times here. Every single time I get together with Nate or Kyle or, or Darian or all three of them, I can guarantee that something weird, synchronistic, something, you know, something just liminal feeling is going to happen to me within within at least the next week and and it's always some of the most profound experiences i've had in my life have occurred in that window and and dude the, at the season two in royal launch party uh me and jamie went and we both man we were just like whoa something is up like like just a just a real deep heady vibe just like a dragging down vibe and i mean i, I love Everybody up there, such great people. Dan, you know, everybody involved with Penny Royal. 
But uh, we come home, and even into the next day, it was like this. Just we're standing here in the kitchen, man, and there's this hiss. And at first, I'm hearing this hiss, and I'm like, "There's gas. There's something. Something gas is leaking. I don't have any gas in my house. You know, there's, <laughs> there's not there's not gas leaking. But like straight up, just this. <laughs> Jamie hears it. The kids hear it. Everybody hears it. It's it's right over there. I mean, from where I'm sitting right now. Still have no idea what the cyst was. The cyst happens, and that feeling goes away. Like, we're fine. Everybody's good. The pressure was let out. The pressure was let out, I guess, man. I, I that I had I had thought about that. That was good. Uh, but, dude, I, I, I understand there is something, just something about the Somerset phenomena mm-hmm. that, you know, and I dig it. I mean, I'm down for it. I, I like the weird stuff. You know, it's... I don't think I could do it all the time. I don't think I could be in the headspace all the time. But uh, you know, I like I like visiting. I like I like getting it weird every, that weird every once in a while. So, but I feel you completely. And honestly, it's kind of cool to hear you say that because it's kind of nice to have somebody else say, "Oh yeah, something something weird happened to me with all that." So yeah, I didn't know that you were at the release party. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. there. Yeah, dude, it's so cool because you're on uh, as a as below, and I'm on. Um, as above, or no, you're on so below, and I'm right, on as right. above. So we kind of balanced each other out. That's crazy so too. That was cool. Yeah, I yeah. yeah no, I had no idea that you were there. Do you do you? This is weird. Like, do you remember me being there? Yep. Sure do. Weird. Sure do. I can't remember. I can't remember what you were wearing. But it was I the light up the- shoes and a suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I totally remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that was you. Actually, See, that's so um, weird. But yeah, I was there. I didn't. Honestly, we didn't stay for very long. I come in and said, hey, to Nate, talk to Dan for a little bit. Uh, sign Dan's poster because he's getting everybody to sign it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sign Dan's poster and like straight up that vibe took over, man. That that real weird like, you know, took over. And I was like, guys, I love you all. I'm so excited to hear the new season. I might take off. I gotta get back to Russell County. I'm feeling weird. <laughs> Too weird for me and not saying something. <laughs> so yeah, you have the luxury of it being a quick retreat. Like if I get yeah. down there, I'm committed because I'm not just gonna go there, be there for fifteen minutes and drive, you know, yeah. another five and a half hours back. I can't make right. an eleven hour commitment to a ten minute activity. You know, like I'm no, I've sure. gotta be there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's no retreat. I've got built in like courage. I've got a fail safe. You know, I have and to see, encounter it. Oh yeah, and and I've heard Nate say say uh, or not necessarily Nate, but you know the Penny Royal gang in general talk about uh, Greg and Dana when they come down here and how they were basically like, yeah, let's get out of here. Because I mean, <laughs> I get it. I I understand. Like you know, some of the stuff Nate deals with. You know, and he and I have talked about this. It's some intense stuff. I mean, it's it's some dark. Whew, talk about the darkness and the light, man. That's some dark stuff. And you know, I keep going back to this, and I say this every time, but it reminds me so much of Twin Peaks because there really is the brightness and the darkness there in Somerset. You know, I I say that Jarfly is the roadhouse, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I like that. I like that imagery. There is something about it, man. And like you said, I don't think I could live in that state. But yeah. I like to visit it a lot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's fun to visit. Uh, really intense, uh, really intense vibes to stay. <laughs> to stay. In. Yeah. No, it's great. Everybody should go once. You know, just go once. Go check out Kyle's museum. Mm-hmm. Go grab a the museum. Uh, brewski. 
at Jarfly. I would say go see, you know, kind of square, but you can't do that anymore. Nope. That's good. <laughs> I mean, sadly cannot do that. Uh, you can come and see a piece of it in my studio. I think someone that we're all friends with distributed <laughs> pieces of the kind of memorial monument. I'm sure it's fine. I, I'm willing to bet the kind of family has never listened to my show. So yeah, <laughs> next thing you know, man, you'll be getting emails. It'll be, that's, that's where the comments are getting set on fire. No, I actually got one of those pieces too. That was awesome. Of said, of said redacted friend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I have, it's like a collection now of things that I've been gifted in and from Somerset, like that I just totally love. And I came to a revelation while editing the documentary that interdimensional Bigfoot had given me a gift the first time I went to Somerset and met Kevin and Jessica and I had no idea until I started editing this documentary and we can talk about it on your show. So if you want to hear more about that, come on over and listen to Midnight in Kentucky. You know, it may even be before this episode. I don't know. Who knows? No one oh, knows. Oh, no. You are a much better editor than I am. It will be, <laughs> it will be after your show comes out. <laughs> but but I'm excited to hear the story. And thank you for saving that for my show. I appreciate yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How this is. Cast out that little bait and roll it in. Real old man. There we go. Um, no, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the documentary, I think, quite a bit, actually, uh, whenever I check my watch and find that it's midnight in Kentucky. I want to just ask you like a few more general questions. Yeah, man. I'm all about it. I want to know your favorite weird Kentucky thing. Okay. Here's here's my favorite weird Kentucky thing. And you are actually probably familiar with this because you have a synchronicity based around this. First of all, of course, Aleister Crowley did visit Kentucky. There's a long-standing tradition of magic here in Kentucky, of, you know, magic workings, magic workers visiting here. It's almost weird how, and I, and maybe you can say this for every paranormal hotspot in the world, I don't know. But to me, it's weird how everything always comes back to Kentucky. Uh, I made the joke on Penny Royal that Pulaski County and Kentucky in general is the hub of reality. Like this is, this is, you know, where it all connects in to things. But my favorite part of that is actually, uh, you know, of course, Kenneth Grant was an Aleister Crowley adept. He took over Thelma. You know, my history and all that's rusty, but you know, I know enough to know that, right? Grant talked a lot about the Hopewell and the Hopewell indigenous people who were here, you know, and again, history's rusty, uh, presumably before the Native Americans as we know them were here. The Hopewell were very much involved in in not, you know, not the Tholemic magic traditions, but their own magic traditions. And, and you know, I don't even want to call that magic again, because it's almost like saying Bigfoot or aliens, right? Because it's almost too small of a word to encompass what they did. It was their life. It was their, their in, you know, <laughs> from that point forward, which is, you know, prehistory, all but there. Ha- I mean, if, if you if you look down from that point afterward, it seems like it was one thing after the next year. You know, it was they were doing ritualistic ceremonial workings here. And then hundreds, thousands, whatever of years later, we have Kenneth Grant here talking about the Hopewell and those workings. We have Aleister Crowley here. We have so much. We have Hopkinsville Goblins. We have the Louisville Goat Man. 
you know, I, I, I know that you asked me for one and I kind of sidestepped that with all of this, <laughs> but I can't separate it. Like, I, I honestly can't. Taylor Elwood, dude, that show is so, so good. Probably one of my favorites that you've done. He talks about, you asked him about magic and about how if he could, if he had any encounters that were, you know, quote unquote, non-magical, right? And he says, well, I can't really separate them. I can't really separate the paranormal experience I've had from the magical experience I've had. Because to me, it's all interworking. That's the thing with all of this and everything here in Kentucky, because it, it seems to me like it's all interworking. It's all constantly playing off one thing or another. And time gets really fickle with that, too, right? Because time does not work linearly anywhere, I don't believe. Time is a, an illusion. That's the, the, one of the big things of our show. Time does not exist as we know it. There's something about here and about Kentucky in general that makes time behave even stranger than most places. And I, I firmly, firmly believe that. Caveat on this question. <laughs> this is the story. This is this is the story I should have went with first thing. I was recently in uh, Kentucky Down Under, which, for those that don't know, it's a, it's a little place up near Cave City where they have, like, kangaroos and, you know, Australian life. Back. But they also have, like, caves and stuff, cave tours. One of the cave guides told us the story and it was, you know, your standard ghost story at first, kind of. Uh, she was talking about how people would go through the cave, or they would go into the cave after the tours were over, just like workers and stuff. And they would hear uh, tours going through. They would hear, like, tour guides talking, people talking, you know, just standard tourist things. Not like they were dead, not like it was a ghost. But she told it to me, and, you know... She was kind of perplexed. She was like, well, this is, it was one of those things that we were talking about. You know, she trusted me enough to tell me the really weird thing. And uh, she thought, you know, it was just a ghost story. She was like, well, it must be whatever. And dude, when I heard that, I immediately went to, there's some sort of time dilation. There's some sort of time thing working. Particularly, and I know that you dig this, in these caves. There's something about these caves that time is working totally differently. And, of course, with Kentucky, we have the largest cave system in the world. So who's to say it's not something with these caves that's making time behave all kinds of wonky? And, you know, that that's why it's such a good ceremonial ritual ground. That's why it's such, a, you know, an odd place in general. So another long-winded answer, but I hope that was, I hope that was good. <laughs> it was terrible, and I'll never ask terrible. again. Terrible. No. You know, the it whole thing. Call. The whole time that you're that you're talking about time, I'm thinking if you open up a watch, it's got a quartz crystal in it, mm-hmm. and your watch keeps time with the quartz. And Kentucky is just full of quartz. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's why there are time dilations. I'm just saying that was where my mind went and stayed the entire time. So for sure, for yeah. sure. And I mean, that's something Nate talks about in Penny Royal a lot, right? With Pulaski mm-hmm. County and how there is such a huge deposit of quartz there. Yeah. Second largest in the nation other than Sedona, I think. I right? think that's I what he, that. that's what he claims. Who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows with this Nathan Isaac care? I didn't go out and count all the quartz, but he's not, if he's not saying the F word, he's lying. Is <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that right there? He wouldn't say the F word. Uh, yep. No, but but yeah, the whole time thing, time, time, and reality are really where this whole thing has led me to. You know what I mean? Like those yep. those two. My next question: If you were given the opportunity to have 
every question you have about this stuff answered, but you could never look into it again. Would you look? Man, man, that's a good question. Would you give up the hunt for the kill? Jason, I'm going to be totally honest with you, man. That was probably the best question I've ever asked about this thing. Like, me personally. That was good. Like, I'm I'm not just, like, blowing smoke, dude. That was a good question. <sighs> All right. So, not like we haven't gotten like, deeply philosophical yet, right? <laughs> but I'm going to get deeply philosophical. On and this is something I keep going back to because, dude, like, I love the paranormal, but the paranormal led me to spirituality. And spirituality is one of those words like Bigfoot and aliens that I hate using because that's too small of a word, right? I mean, a lot of me goes back to this. A lot of me comes back around to this, and I'm led back to, is what we're doing here not really just the search for God? And is it not just the search for the great mystery, whatever that great mystery is? Like the the pervading thing in in life that is like, hey, shit's weird. <laughs> You're not going to have any answers. You're not in control of it. Stop trying to control it so hard. Just admit that things are weird and that this none of this makes sense. Like, none of this makes sense. Like you were saying at the very beginning of the show, that existential reasoning leads you to why. Why is this? And none of it makes sense. <laughs> like, like literally the reason that the trees grow makes as much sense as an eight foot tall gray alien walking through your living room. To me. You know what I mean? And, and maybe that's just me being naive. Maybe I'm just burnt out on all these paranormal questions. I don't know. But dude, you can literally keep digging on anything to the point that you're like, this does not make any sense. I haven't said this aloud yet. So this is another. <laughs> this is another scoop for you. The patio is a safe space for everyone. Dude, I love it. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. You know, with uh, going back to Crowley, who, who, by the way, you know, had his own problems. I'm not a, a worshiper of Crowley in any way. I don't consider him a hero, but I do think he had a lot of really interesting points on things and, and jumping off points, right? And with Thelema, you know, one of the one of the most biggest things that they talk about is do what thou wilt so long as thou harm none. And a lot of people interpret that as you can do what you want so long as you don't hurt anybody. But I don't necessarily endorse that point of view, and I know a lot of other magical workers that don't endorse that. I think it means the will of oneself is what you are destined to do, what you are meant to do with this existence, right? So do what thou will, do what you are meant to do so long as it harm none. And there are a lot of times recently where my I've been thinking about this and what is my will? What am I meant to do? What why am I involved in all these weird things? And a part of me says that my will is just to let people know, hey man, stop clinging on to reality so hard. Because it's not as real as you think it is. And it's gonna end. And you know, if you're not ready for it to end, like if you're not like, hey, it's probably gonna end one day, it's whatever. It's going to be a rough life. You know what I mean? Like, and, and shit gets weird. Like, it's much, 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 much weirder than we are willing to, to even look at. We want to pack it all the way in those boxes. We want to, we want to know that we have things figured out and we don't, don't. And I think that that is one of the secrets to life for me is that this is all mysterious. Like, you know, it's, it's mysterious from the gray alien to raising your children. You know, you can have 
just as much of a fundamental paranormal experience watching your child grow up as you can being abducted by an alien. And I firmly believe that because it's happened to me kind of in tandem in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's, it's just such a weird existence that I don't know that I would want the answers because I think part of the reason that we're here is to try and figure out those answers with no escape. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to get the answers. Don't think you're going to get the answers. The whole point is to work toward the answers. And it's almost to develop your own answers in a way. It's to provide meaning to a meaningless experience. And I think that that's magic. I think that that's what magic is, is providing meaning to meaninglessness. It's it's giving narrative to, to whatever story you want it to be or what you want it to be. And, of course, this all comes with the disclaimer and caveat. If you stare too closely, you'll lose your mind. <laughs> yeah. You don't really even have to stare that close, I don't think. No. No. Um, there's been a lot of times in the last few years since going balls deep into this stuff where I legitimately think I'm going crazy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's not like I'm hallucinating or anything like that, but like I think about my life and I think about how I walk through everybody else's existence as they ponder things or potentially don't ponder anything at all, but as they ponder things that are, I don't want to sound condescending or arrogant, but like so below what you just said. Yeah. You know what no, I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like, am I in a field of NPCs? Am I the only yes. consciousness on this entire planet yeah. and everything here is just a test? And then I really go down, man. And <laughs> I just oh, had dude. this happen last week. Like one, one, one morning after I got off work, I came home and it's like, man, this is, I have this really weird feeling again. Like I'm the only one. And then I started looking into psychological studies on this condition and uh, there's a syndrome and a name for it. And then it got real bad. Don't ever, ever web MD, yeah. you know, like <laughs> it's the same. No, for, I'm, no, it's the same for that type of stuff as it is for an ear infection. Like don't web MD the, your oh, symptoms. Oh, no. God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it I'm was interested awful. to know what was this, what was this, uh, this, this disorder or whatever though. I imagine some type of dissociation because yes. I totally feel it as a dissociation. It's a specialized dissociation condition. It has. It starts with an S. It's like Sambosisis or something similar to that okay. uh, syndrome. Yeah. And it's often it's experienced in bursts like that. And it's not really a syndrome. It's just like a state of mind, a disassociated state of mind. But if it's persistent in some people, some poor bastards mm -hmm. live with that all the time, mm -hmm. which I can't imagine. I imagine that's how Nathan Isaac feels. Um, but <laughs> no, I, yep, yep. I, I, I totally see it. <laughs> I can't imagine doing, but if you're, if you're at that level, then, then you have this syndrome. And I assume that it's treated in the same way you would treat or attempt to treat a dissociative disorder. And that I didn't get into. Cause it's like, I, if I, if I tell myself what the answer to this is, then yeah. it gets that much worse. Like, you so start I start providing meaning to meaninglessness. You yeah. start giving yourself a narrative. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Create the cure and sell the illness. Like, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, no way. For sure. That makes me think two things, though. That makes me think of the great Invisibles line. And this is one of my favorite lines from the whole series of graphic novels where he says, there are agents out there operating on the very line, on the very thin line of both sanity and reality. Yes. 
And dude, I feel that all the time. And I'm not like, maybe I'm dissociating enough that I think I'm an invisible agent. No, I'm not. But, uh, but I feel that like, I feel like there's a lot of times when I'm doing this research that I am operating on the edges of sanity and reality. And that can be a very dangerous place. And I'm not, I'm not advocating that at all. Yeah. But I think, you know, Nick Redfern, another great investigator talks about how he'll, he'll work on a book and then he will set that down. And go out and have a beer and have girlfriends and go to ba- baseball games and watch movies. And, dude, that's it. Like, you can't stop loving life. Like, you can't stop. Because that's what we're here to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, regardless of all the crazy spiritual shit or what's happening after we die, it's still like, this is it. you got to love it. you got to love it. That's what we're here to do. We're here to love it and to play baseball and whatever. That's That's as spiritual as anything we're talking about. You know what I mean? I'm going to go a step further because what you just said has triggered another one of these existential thoughts that I that I have. So I'm a big believer in reincarnation and mm-hmm. earth is a school and we we come here to learn a specific lesson. Let's see if I can translate this thought into words with the English language. I'll try to use a few mm-hmm. vowels. What if I am here to learn not to let this become my focus and that I need to look to better myself in a situ- in a way that I can situate myself in a position where this interest is not all consuming despite the odds being stacked against me. And I need to set it down and go outside and have a beer and go to a baseball game. Like not literally, but figuratively speaking. <laughs> I would I would rather stay home and drive some screws into my toes than go to a baseball game. Go to a ba- yeah, me too. But, I feel that. You know, a but, concert, maybe something. You know. Something. You know. Yeah. But I, you know, I struggle a lot now with the things that I enjoy are also these things. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. what would I do if I had a day where I could just do whatever I wanted? I'd probably go to Somerset and get weird. Like, oh yeah. Well, hey. That's not self-destructive at all. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Dude, I have that very thing planned Monday afternoon. I mean, I'm going to go do it. I love it. It's it's what I do. You know what I mean? But totally at the same time, you know, and and I know you resonate with this, and I know that not everybody resonates with this. And for those people that don't, it's cool. It's whatever. Think of another part of life. My kid brings me back around a lot. You know what I mean? Because I watch my kid play, and I'm like, he has none of these questions. He's just happy to be here doing whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's happy to be building Legos. He yeah. has He has none of the God questions. He has none of the what are we doing here questions. He just wants to build a castle out of what Yeah. So did I when I was that age. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? So did I. I just wanted to sit there and build Legos. So there's always that reconnection point with life away from all of these questions. And these questions are important. You know, obviously, or we wouldn't be sitting here at nine o'clock on a Saturday night talking about them and and enjoying talking about them. These are important questions. You know, a lot of people, I don't think, think about these questions enough. I feel like people like us, eh, maybe we think about them a little too much. Or or at least it's it's hard to get away from them once you start asking the questions, because it's almost like you start asking the questions. And regardless if you're going to get answers or not, those questions start pulling you toward you. Fuck, man. You stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. It's it's always gonna be tempting. The unknown, the void, it's always gonna it's always gonna be fascinating and interesting. But there's so much beauty in the mundane too. You know what I mean? And 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 you can't sacrifice like the beauty of the mundane for the call of the void. I mean, that's that's really what it is. 
it has to be balanced. So much of I'm totally with you on the reincarnation and and the Earth School thing. I, I feel that a lot too. You know, I try not to believe anything because belief is the enemy. Like I, I really believe that belief belief is not necessarily a good thing. Um, but if I were if somebody you know had a gun to my head and said, "What do you believe?" That would be it. It would be you know this is all some type of of meaning maker we're here to learn something we're here to figure something out you know maybe that's just the fact that we're gonna die maybe that's what we're supposed to figure out part of my lessons here in earth school part of my my big something i have learned is that it's all balance all of this is a balance of some kind you have to balance out the questions with just the coolness with the chillness with the vibe of i don't know i don't know and i'm okay with not knowing you know what I mean? I'm totally cool with not knowing. Like, I, I like the mystery. I really just like the mystery. I like pursuing it. And, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before, sometimes the pursuit of that mystery gets mundane in itself. Like, it feels like, you know, you're constantly working on editing a podcast or, you know, I got to get this done so I can get this done. And I feel that totally. I stress out about this stuff a lot more than I should, you know, because of like Spotify ratings and shit like that. Like, who cares? Like, then I find myself being like, who cares? This this weirdness does not belong to anybody. This is all of our weirdness. The mystery belongs to us all. I'm just going to keep being weird. I'm going to keep going after the mystery and trying to balance that out with just loving everything else around the mystery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Total vibes. Absolutely. Total. Absolutely. But, but for I mean, that's it, man. I That's the best thing I have been able to cobble together to keep me sane. And, and heck, regardless if you're chasing after Bigfoot or you're clocking in at your job, all we're doing here is cobbling stuff together to keep us safe. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, Dude, we have, I would say we've gone off the rails, but there was not even a path when we started. Um, <laughs> we have jumped around on a lot of things. This was a lot more philosophical than I anticipated it being. And I'm glad it was like, um, this is a good conversation. So. I tell everybody, I lure them in with UFOs and Bigfoot, and then we end up talking about reality, space, and God. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. So, Before I let you go, though, I would love for you to promote your show or anything else that you feel the need to promote. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, so the big thing, obviously, is Midnight in Kentucky podcast. You can find us on MidnightInKentucky.com. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a listen. Uh, like I said, a lot of it lure you in with the UFOs and the Bigfoot, and we get right to God and reality and space time and all that. So if you dig that, you're going to dig the show. You know, I do several other things. I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I have the Ransom Letter Publishing podcast as well which is all about music and psychedelics and spirituality and all of this, you know, all of all of the, the deeply weird stuff. Uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I rap by the name B. Silas. That used to be my main thing. Uh, I've kind of moved away from that a little. I've got a single on Spotify. Check that out if you guys are into that type of thing. Uh, I'm also in a band, Culture Trap. If you dig that, check that out. Uh, I do a little bit of everything, but Midnight Kentucky is the main thing. Join us on Facebook, Instagram, all those places. Love to have you. Always doing weird stuff. And that's it, man. That's it. I'm sure I could cobble together a hundred more projects that I'm working on right now to talk about, but I'll leave it there. <laughs> so, but dude, thank you so much for having me on the show. Like I said, you know, I listened to the, to the Nate's episode way back when, when you dropped that and a couple more, but 
over the past few days, knowing I was coming on, I've just took a deep dive into it, and I've loved like every episode has offered me something new. So I thank you, man, that. and thank you so much for you know coming on. And I'm glad that our paths crossed, and we were able to do this and have these conversations. And I'm looking forward to not only the next conversation, which I know is damn near immediate, but the <laughs> next conversation after that. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing you down the road, man. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. This was great. And everybody go listen to uh, Midnight in Kentucky and check your watch because I guarantee that's what time it is. All of our archived episodes are available for free right now at patreon.com slash beyond the patio or on our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. Give us a like if you don't mind. And if you have anything weird happen to you and you want to share the tale, hit me up at paranormalpatio at gmail.com.